Is that it? All his promises are my promises. He's got seven eyes, and they're full of fire. I want somebody to draw that picture. <laughs> we perish for lack of knowledge. His fullness is in you. What does the fullness mean? It means like a, a ship, and it means all seven. The seed does not stay small. <laughs> it's supposed to become the largest tree. All right, we ready to go on? Okay, so this next one, I had just taught the first round of classes with just those three that we've done the first time a year ago when I was just kind of starting to teach. You have to know who you are. You have to know what you've been given. You got to know the foundation of the, the, how to read the Bible, right? And that was all I taught. And then the Lord was like, what about me? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, we need to know you too, huh? Don't we? <laughs> Sorry, God. So I sat down at the computer, <laughs> and I said, all right, God, who are you? And I'll tell you my expected answer, what I thought he was going to say. Clearly, like, I'm just so off. Like, what I thought he was going to say was, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last, you know. The name above every other name that everything has to bow to. You know, the champion. I was, uh, you know, you're thinking about like warfare here. That's not what I thought his declaration was going to be. That's not what he said. He said, I'm your rest. <laughs> I'm your rest. I was like, okay. Explain, Lord. <laughs> Explain. Let's go a little deeper with this. So those first passages, does anybody want to read one of them? These are all passages regarding the unchanging nature of God, how he will do what he says he's going to do, how he doesn't change, you know? Anybody want to read one? Anybody like to read scripture? Anybody have a Bible with them? Yeah? Pick one out and read it. From that first list, pick one, anyone. Did everybody get a handout, by the way, for this next session? Does anybody need one, I think I should say. If you need one, raise your hand. You do need one? Oh, you want to read? Well, what do you, what do you got? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Yeah, I do not change. It can't get more clear than that. Okay. <laughs> so 
so good. <laughs> so good. He doesn't change. He stays the same in the shadow, in the fullness, in the restoration. God is the same. I used to feel like I saw a different God in the Old Testament from the New Testament. But it wasn't that. It's that I didn't know what was happening. I didn't understand the picture that he was giving me. So, God doesn't change, so we're going to take a look at God, <coughs> our rest in the beginning. All right, God, show me. You're my rest. This is what you're saying? Show me. So, creation account, Genesis 1 and 2. First thing we take note of is that God did the work of creating. God did not create man on the first day to help him with the rest of creation, right? Man was not the first thing he created, so he could be like, hey, man, give me a hand, Right? He did not need our help. Then the second thing to take note of is the order of the established day. You know, the Jewish day begins in the evening, and the creation account, the day begins in the evening. It was evening, and there was morning the first day. There was evening, and there was morning the second day. The Jewish day starts in the evening. God ordered our days to start with sleep. That you are to rest and then work from rest. That has gotten changed. That's gotten changed in our society. We work to rest as if we're earning it. We were never supposed to earn rest. We do it. We, we work to retire. That's not how it's supposed to be. We were to rest and out of that comes fruitful work. That's how God ordered the day. Do you guys see that? On the sixth day, God created man. And on the seventh day, he rested. So man's first day was rest. God wasn't like, hey, man, I'm glad you're here now. Let's get to work. I made you. Let's rest now. Out of all of the days of creation, God blessed only one of them. What was the one that he blessed? The Sabbath, right? The day of rest. He didn't bless a work day and say, this is, this is a blessed day when you put your hands to work and you're fruitful and you do productive things. Let's bless all of that. No. 
He blessed the day of rest and said, make sure you rest. That's amazing. We tend to have this idea of God that he's like, work, 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 work. Right from the very beginning of our scriptures, it speaks a different story. From the very beginning. So, God, our rest in the shadow. God begins to try and establish rest with the Israelites. It didn't go over too well. He had just rescued them. This is what that story in Exodus 16 right there. You can read it if you want. I'm going to recap it. <coughs> he had rescued them out of the hands of the Egyptians. He had brought them into the wilderness. And they were starting to get hungry. And they didn't believe that God was going to provide for them. They began to grumble. <coughs> Man, be healed. <coughs> be clear. Okay, so they were, they were not believing that God was going to provide for them. And because they were starting to feel hungry, and so they began to grumble and complain. And the things that they started to say were like, wasn't it better for us in Egypt when we had full pots of meat and could eat? Wasn't it better when we worked our butts off all day long as slaves to people, but at least we got to have our food? We knew that if we worked all day, we could get food. Isn't that better than having to trust that God's going to do it? And God's like, give me a minute. Oh, my goodness. Tonight, I'm going to throw, like, have quail fly into your camp onto your tables. I'm going to have manna come up from the ground. I am providing for you. But they were so quick, so quick to want to trade their freedom for control. They were so quick. I'm a better provider for myself than God is. I'm not quite sure he's going to do it. So I'd rather be a slave and know that I can, I can manage this then not be a slave and trust God to do it. Give up control. And so God says, I'm going to give you manna. You'll see, you'll see, you'll see. So it's going to come on the ground every day. And you're just going to gather what you need for that day. Don't gather any more than that. Just take what you need for the day. I'm going to give you some tomorrow too. Don't worry. Verse 19, and Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. Why did they hang on to it? Fear? Lack of trust? God had just said to them, don't do that. I will provide. Control. I want to control my own circumstance. I can make sure that my family does not go hungry. It was a bad idea. It bred worms and stank. <laughs> okay. 
So then God's like, come on, guys. The Sabbath is coming. On the sixth day, I want you to gather twice as much because it's going to be enough. It's not going to breed worms. It's not going to stink. Don't worry. I'm ha- I handled that. That's not going to happen over the Sabbath. It will last you. So on the seventh day, rest. Don't go out and pick it up because it won't be there. <clears throat> Verse 26, six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my law? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. It's a gift. The Lord has given you on the Sabbath, has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. He gave you that rest. So he's going to provide for that rest. All right, he gave you that. So he's going to provide for that. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. They had a hard time resting. God was trying to bring them into rest, was trying to give them a gift. You ever try to give someone a gift and they're just like, just take it. (laughs) Just take it. So dumb. Just take it. I feel like that's how God is. Take the gift. It's rest. Who doesn't like to sleep? I love to sleep. And yet, fear and control and and these things, they they push us to want to do it ourselves rather than trust the living God. It's bizarre when you think about it. But how many of us have done this in our lifetime? Does God still say he provides? Does God still call us to rest? And how many of us are like, I'm going to figure it out. So we see God trying to teach rest to the Israelites, and they're not learning it very well. One of the cool things is verse 35, the people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. God provided manna every day for them daily bread every day until they came into their promised land. And when they came into their promised land, they could eat the fruit of the land. And it just was producing. It's the difference between asking God every day for something and having it just fully produced in you. Christ brings produce. The Spirit brings produce, right? Um, so rest in the law. We see it in the, in the commandments, right? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We see that there. So we see a Sabbath was for people, but Sabbath wasn't only for people. The Sabbath was for the land. The Sabbath was for foreigners, for servants, and even the animals. This wasn't just about people. This is about the nature of God. This is his nature. And in fact, when... Jeremiah prophesied 
um, that they were going to go into captivity for 70 years, and that happened. The scripture says, while they were in captivity, the land redeemed all the Sabbaths that Israel had stolen from it. It gives a new perspective on creation coming to the into the liberation of the sons of God if we are not allowing the land to rest either. If we're not allowing rest in the order that God would have, he, they were in captivity and the, the Lord made the statement to say and the land was able to redeem its Sabbaths. That's crazy. But it speaks to the nature of God. He wants to be rest for all of creation. He is our rest. So then we have the promised land rest. Joshua 1.13. Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you when he said, the Lord your God will give you rest. He will give you this land. The promised land was seen as a resting place, a place that they would not have to be traveling around. They could go and actually rest in that place. But we know what happened. Psalm 95, 6 to 11. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah in the day of Massa in the wilderness where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. And I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I swore on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. They continually did not believe that the promises that God had given were going to be fulfilled in their lifetime, that it was for them, that he was big enough, that that was their land, that it was real, all of the above. It was unbelief that kept them out, and God was not happy about that. He had given them a place to rest. And for whatever reason, man keeps refusing rest. We trade it for control, for slavery, freedom encompasses rest. Hebrews 3, 7 and 19, right before that in Hebrews, they reference that Psalm passage. So this really just kind of follows along that. Uh, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a wicked heart of unbelief that turns away from the living God. But exhort one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the assurance we had at first. As it has been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. For who were the ones who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would never enter his rest? Was it not those who disobeyed? So we see that it was because of their unbelief that they were unable to enter. Was it God's fault they didn't get rest? Did God want them to have rest? Did God fulfill his part for them to have rest? 
they didn't get it because they didn't do their part. We want to blame God because we don't understand who we are and the part that we play. Learn who you are. Enter the rest. It's there. It's real. So we see rest in the shadow, right? We see rest in creation, absolutely. We see rest in the law. We see rest in the shadow, the promised land. That's where God was wanting to bring them into rest. So now we're in the fullness. God, our rest in the fullness. Is he still rest for us here today? Is that what he still wants? I'm going to tell you, everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament was God's attempt of bringing his people into rest. Every battle, every exile, everything that happened in the Old Testament was God's attempt to bring his people into rest. It was the Israelites who were constantly walking away from it. That blew my mind. God, our rest now, our rest in the fullness. So continuing on in Hebrews chapter 4, what should the church's response to rest be? Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest... God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests rest from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Not di word disobedience has the connotation of unbelief with it. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. So there's effort involved in coming into rest. I've noticed that. I've had to go after things and kick them out. There's effort. I'm intentional, going after it, and the rest is real. I'm not going to miss his rest. I believe it 
is bigger than I even know right now, and I'm already kind of believing pretty big. <laughs> Do not let unbelief keep you. Couldn't possibly be that good. Yes, he is. It couldn't possibly really do this. Yes, he can. If he is God, then obviously he can. Guys, come on. He's God. So the Sabbath now. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, right? He has his disciples eat food, picket grains right off the wheat or whatever on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees, oh, how dare they, the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Do you not know that the Sabbath was made for man? Not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath is not supposed to own people. It was a gift. I could just like see Jesus being like, hello. You healed somebody on the Sabbath? This was about you coming into my rest. Of course I healed somebody on the Sabbath. What are you, dumb? Of course. But they were so stuck in the law, in this workspace. They had traded rest for works again. They had traded relationship with God for their own control. I can make myself good enough if I just follow these things, including the Sabbath. Man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. You have it backwards. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you work, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. I'm starting to see why you say that you're rest, God. <laughs> I don't know how I missed it before. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So this got me rethinking wilderness seasons. You ever heard of those in the church, just in a wilderness season? I've said it. <laughs> Oops. I don't think there's such a thing. The only reason Israel was ever in the wilderness was because of unbelief, not because God wanted them there. If you're in a wilderness season, check your belief. Check your belief. The Israelites were in the wilderness because of their unbelief, not because God wanted them there. God did not want them in the wilderness. He wanted them in rest. He made the way for them to have rest. He had told them that was one of their promises. That was that. In every season, we are supposed to look the same. Right? Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence in him. He is like a tree planted by the waters that send out its roots towards the stream. 
It does not fear when the heat comes, and its leaves are always green. It does not worry in a year of drought, nor does it cease to produce fruit. Doesn't matter what's happening around you, drought, heat. We are always connected to living water. We're always producing, always. Like a tree planted by the streams of living water. We know these verses. And yet we still say, I'm in a wilderness season. What happened to your living water? Mark 11, 12 to 14. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. When Jesus wants fruit, he wants fruit. It doesn't matter if it's the season or not. You are to produce all the time. In season, out of season, rain, snow, hail, winter, summer, fall, spring. Produce, 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 produce. Dryness, dryness in the land. Drought, produce. Because you are not formed or fashioned by this world. It is not your source. We're not supposed to have wilderness seasons, guys. That blew my mind. Start rethinking some things here. Well, what was that all about? <laughs> Oops. The result of true fasting. Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight in the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Do you see what God wants to do? God wants to do incredible things. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could think or imagine 
according to his power that's at work inside of you. Everything he wants to do is so extravagant and good. But the Israelites, they were going their own way. They were controlling their own situations. They were doing their own things. And God was like, if you would just, I'm telling you, take the steps, take the steps, and you'll come into riding on the heights of the earth. I mean, like, come on. I have such good for you. I have so much good for you. Everything that you say that you want, I will actually do it and then some. And yet you keep thinking that you're going to be able to do it. And that's a lie. And it's keeping you from the goodness of the Lord. It's keeping you from the goodness of the land he's given you. Everything he does is so good. He wants us to come in to rest. The enemy comes to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you would have life and life to the fullest, abundant life. What does your life feel like? If it feels like lie, steal, kill, destroy, well, that means something. If it feels like abundant life, that means something. Okay? You might be being stolen from, lied to. says, I'm, I'm the river of living water. Those who drink from me will never thirst again. I'm the bread of life. Those who eat of me will never hunger again. Those are big words, but he spoke them. He wants to be the one. He wants to be the one who's our rest, our sustenance, our provider. He wants us to rest in him, to rest in his goodness, that he will do everything he says he's going to do. It is our unbelief that keeps us from it. And it's such a shame because he's proclaimed a day, calling it today, that we could hear his voice and enter his rest. Jesus was ascending up into heaven and he gave his disciples instructions where the instructions go into the city, start gathering the people, tell them what's gone on, build the church. Was that what he told them? No. He said, go and wait. <laughs> go into the city and wait. Wait for what I'm about to send you. You're going to love it. <laughs> You're going to love it. The church started with waiting. That's where it started. It started with rest. Not with a blueprint of plans on how to start a church. And then the Holy Spirit came, and it happened. Right? They actually listened to Jesus. 
and one of the most miraculous occurrences in human history took place. Right? We're all like in our prayer meetings, like maybe we'll see tongues of fire on us tonight. Right? Because <laughs> it always seems so cool. Right? It happened because they went and they did it. They didn't think that they knew better than him. They actually did it. And thousands were added to their number that day. Imagine if they had tried to do it on their own. They probably would have gotten like three, maybe. Right? God does it better. Isn't that a slogan? Should be, God does it better. <laughs> God does it better. <laughs> Church began with waiting. Waiting makes us strong. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint, those in their own strength, even youth shall faint and be weary, and even young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? I can't even run like 20 feet without being weary. Okay, like can you imagine running and not being weary? What a freeing experience. I can't wait. I mean, maybe I could do it now. Maybe I'll try it. Um, sorry. <laughs> they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Can you imagine limitlessness like that? That's what happens. So I looked up the word wait because my understanding of the word wait was kind of this sort of like stay still and kind of just wait. Like what I use the word wait, wait. <laughs> Don't move, wait. When I looked up what the word wait means, it's actually really interesting. It, it, it doesn't mean wait like that. It's actually a word that's used to, to talk about a process of binding a rope together. So it's like taking the pieces of the rope and binding them. And the idea of wait, where they got the idea of wait from it, is that those who got really good at it, it just they could do it really quick. So there's a time that it takes to get from the top of the binding to the bottom of the binding. But it strengthens the rope. I mean, having more, you know. So it's more like those who bind themselves to the Lord like a rope. Like take the time to do that. Those who take the time to bind themselves to the Lord like a rope <laughs> will renew their strength. That made sense. It's not just uh, this sort of aimless sitting. It's this like active binding of yourself with the Lord to his strength. Because he says right before that, that he does not faint. He does not grow weary. That's who he is. And so if we're binding ourselves to that, guess what? We don't grow faint. We don't grow weary. Does that make sense? Made a lot more sense to me after that. Um, he wants us to bind ourselves to him. 
his rest, his strength, his provision, his way, right? God, our rest in the restoration of all things. Now, we know that in that, that's going to be the ultimate promised land, right? The ultimate resting place in the restoration. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more, no more sin, no more sickness, no more any of that, no more cruel cruelty happening, no more world that's subject to natural disasters and, you know, just the stuff that goes on, no more. We will be at rest with him. Thank you, God. But you experience that and can experience that and should experience that now. That's the deposit. The way of the kingdom. God as our rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. If your soul is not experiencing rest, but you've surrendered your life to Jesus, ask him what is stealing from it. Because he brings this. So some things that we need to know. For all of time, God has desired to bring man into rest, to be the one to satisfy every need, to call us out of chaos and into peace. We must know this in order to know the voice of God. You need to know that every unclean voice is a liar, a phony, and a fraud. Their deception is that they will satisfy, that they will protect, that they will defend, that they will uphold, that they will bring rest. They place themselves in God's place, and they never deliver. It is important to test the spirits to know what is from God and what is not. Now, I really believe that the reason people are drawn to these liars is because they give a promise that sounds like God. This will be so satisfying. <laughs> You're going to love this. It's going to make you feel amazing. Nope, it doesn't. This anger, this control, it will protect you. Nobody will be able to hurt you again. I'll be your protector. No, you won't. Fear. Fear can protect you. Don't leave your home. Don't go there. You can't. I'm protecting you. They take attributes of God which is why we easily get deceived. Because we want God. <laughs> we want him. So when we're talking with people, you're going to start to hear, when you say, God, what is the lie that this thing has told me? It sounds like they're trying to sound like God. You need me. You'll never be safe without me. Your world will be chaotic if I'm not here. Liar, 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 liar. God does it. Only him. And he does it better. He does it for real. He fully does it. And when we listen to these things... 
And then we wonder why we're not experiencing God. Why is he not protecting me? Well, because you've asked fear to protect you. And God has allowed you to choose your master. You've asked fear, anxiety. You've asked these things. You've allowed them to speak to you. Know that. Break off agreement with them. Agree with Jesus. And he will actually be your defender. The name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run to and are saved. Right? Out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. We'll never run dry. We will be satisfied. Satisfied. We'll never be thirsty again. We will never be hungry again. He will actually do it. People think they hear revenge, right? Revenge. Once I get back at them, then I'll feel peace. I won't feel peace until I get even. Mm Mm-mm. It's a lie. You'll feel peace when you agree with Jesus. Right? So understand that that's so much the way that these things disguise themselves and understand and have compassion on why people listen. Listen. 